And tonight, hey, it was BYOG, bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart, and they never quit until the last one. Her kick is blocked. Digitech blocks it. The Jackets pick it up back in the 25, and Austin is returning it down the left oh, side line. Pass the 50, a blocker, pass the 30. Inside the 20, inside the 10, and he scores! Greetings, everybody. Oh, how we have missed you since the national championship game back in early January. Welcome to our preview edition of Strongest Steel. I'm Michael Regai, as always, joined by the very top analyst and uh, the very top information man in all of college football, Phil Steele, along with our producer, Jim Nabosna. Phil, I I tell you what, it seems like a moment ago when we were previewing that uh, college football playoff national championship game, Alabama and Clemson, and what a monumental epic they gave us on that uh, that last second Clemson win. But, hey, we're getting ready for the start of a 2017 college football campaign. And, of course, your Phil Steele College Football Preview magazine is out in, in millions of hands everywhere. And I know you're excited, Phil, about getting ready to go here in 2017. Great, as always, to have you with us. Well, I appreciate that, Michael. And, uh, yeah, it is. And, you know, magazine's a lot of work. And for the listeners out there, uh, my buddy Michael here spends a lot of time helping us put this magazine out, and uh, he understands the amount of work that goes into it. We start at the Sunday after Thanksgiving and go all the way through June the 1st to put out this magazine, and it's got three to four times the amount of information of any other college football preview out there. It's like getting 130 different media guides rolled into one, except it's even better because all the information is on the same spot on every page for quick, easy reference. All broadcasters, all TV guys used it for that quick, easy reference, and uh, that makes it outstanding. And then the other big factor for the magazine that maybe the listeners aren't, aren't don't, do not know about would be the fact that uh, most of the other magazines are actually hitting the newsstands in May. So that to do that, they have to come out maybe two weeks before spring practice is over. We wait not only till the spring practices are over, but the coaches have their post-spring meetings. We catch all the latest transfers. Going to the press June 1st is a big advantage. There's an axiom in the industry that says you have to be the first at the newsstands. Uh, the, everybody will buy you a second, they'll buy you a third, they'll buy you, and then they're done. People wait for the Phil Steele College Football Magazine because it's the one they're going to use all season long. Because it's the best, bottom line. Because, uh, as you said, nothing is missed. As you, know, you come out of spring football, Phil, and as you talk to it with all kinds of you know, transfers and injury situations, look at what we had this year, for example, with, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the big hammer of a surprise with Oklahoma's Bob Stoops deciding to retire. So uh, the way that, uh, that we do it here at, uh, at Phil Steele and College Football Preview Magazine and philsteele.com keeps you exactly at to the moment up to speed with everything you need to know. And what we're going to do on the preview side here is uh, starting today, uh, we are, are going to go through every conference, the Power Five and the Group of Five, all 10, and the independents for the next uh, here seven weeks leading up to the beginning. And, and we are just seven weeks away, by the by. 
to the beginning of the college football season that will begin in uh, late August this year. So today we're beginning with the SEC West. And what we're going to do, Phil, we're going to take them alphabetically, all right? So this is not uh, your projected or predicted order of finish. We've decided we're just going to go alphabetically. We're going to analyze and uh, look at each and every squad. And then, of course, at uh, we're going to give you uh, uh, the the over-unders as well that have uh, been set for win totals uh, for each and every squad, all 130 in uh, the FBS this year. So that is how we're going to proceed. Uh, so SEC West today, for example, tomorrow we'll come back and do the SEC East. Then we'll go on to the Big Ten on Wednesday and Thursday of this week. A week from today, Monday the 17th, ACC Atlantic. Next Tuesday, ACC Coastal. And, Phil, we're going to uh, have everybody ready by going uh, this route for the 2017 football season, and then we'll begin our regular shows in that uh, that last week of August. So you're going to be a busy man, my friend, but I know you're up to the task. That's right. As long as we're talking football, Michael, any other sport, I'd, <laughs> I'd be out of the box. But as long as we're talking football, I'm good. So with all of that in mind and uh, all of us so very much chomping at the bit to get going, Phil Steele, let's go. We start with the Southeastern Conference, uh, the conference adjudged to be uh, the, the, the very best in college football by most. We'll start with the SEC West today. And, Phil, alphabetically, ironically, that means Nick Saban and his Alabama Crimson Tide. Phil, they've gone to two straight national championship games, uh, came within that final Deshaun Watson touchdown throw of maybe going back-to-back. So the thing that that I'm so intrigued about, and you and I have discussed this, is that in your last two experience charts for the 15 and 16 season, you had Alabama number 124 in experience coming back in 15, number 116 experience coming back in 16, and yet Nick Saban continues to roll out playoff squads with a chance to win a national championship each and every year. Is he going to be able to stay on that same vein again coming up in 2017? Well, you know, in the magazine, Michael, I picked Alabama seventh in the West, a rebuilding year, and I I figured they'd probably go through a four-win season this year. Okay, yeah. Uh, All right. Well, let's be honest with the listeners. I did not do that. Uh, When you you mentioned the experience chart, Michael, and you bring up a great point because Alabama this year, after those two very low experience chart ratings, is actually number 67 on my experience chart this year. So what are the Tide going to do with that type of experience level? And it's status quo on the defensive side of the ball. If you're looking for strengths for Alabama, you always look to the defense. And, yes, they lose a lot of big-name players to the NFL, Jonathan Allen, uh, Reuben Foster, among others. But look at the talent they've got coming back. Overall, they have minus number six-rated defensive line in the country, by number one set of linebackers and number two DBs. Yeah, it looks like the best defense in the country once again. And offensively, when you look at Alabama, how about my number two rated offensive line in the country to go along with my number five set of receivers, the best set of running backs. And one of the reasons Alabama's always low on the experience chart is they never have a returning starter at quarterback. How about a returning starter at QB this year in Jalen Hurts? Now, Hurts struggled a little bit down the stretch last year in the bigger games throwing the football, but I think that was as a true freshman, first time in the big games. He's now got a veteran cast around him across the board. I look for Jalen Hurts to be an improved quarterback this year, even over last year. And the time 
sometimes has struggled a little bit in special teams. They've got J.K. Scott back at punter. He's one of the best punters in the entire country. Uh, so their special teams also among the top 25 units out there. Alabama's uh, ready to roll. Now, we're always going to mention what the Vegas thinks of each of the teams for the upcoming season. And the South Point in Las Vegas has been kind enough to put uh, totals on every team. Naturally, Alabama's is at the top of what they have for everybody at 10.5 wins. When you examine the schedule for Alabama, uh, they're probably going to be a double-digit favorite. Looking at it myself, I would say a double-digit favorite in every game except for two. The opening game of the season when they play Florida State out of the box. Florida State's loaded this year. That's going to be a great game. And then, of course, at the end of the year, the Iron Bowl. And we'll talk about Auburn in a little bit, but Auburn might be their best competition. So you look at Alabama, you see just 11 returning starters, and you say to yourself, hey, maybe this is the year that they take a step back. No, it is not. It's a more experienced 11 starters than what they've had. Uh, they're number one in the power poll. They'll be number one in the AP poll at the start of the year. And uh, Alabama is going to be the preseason favorite to win the SEC. I think part of the problem with the SEC last year, and, and part of the problem for coaches on the hot seat, is that everybody compares themselves to Alabama and Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. And that's why so many of those SEC coaches find themselves on the hot seat. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you, you speak of coaches now, and, you know, Phil, I'm intrigued by the fact, and I, I'd love to get your thought on this. So, you know, Nick Saban in 2016, I mean, at the end of the year, going into the college football playoff, he dismisses Lane Kiffin. He, he Steve Sarkeesian now takes over that role for virtually the national championship game. Sarkeesian's moved on. Kiffin's moved on. And and now, though, Nick Saban is going to go back into uh, his former experience with Bill Belichick in the National Football League by bringing in Brian Dable, who was uh, with Belichick in New England, with Eric Mangini, when Mangini was with the Cleveland Browns. What do you make of this move? You said Jalen Hurts coming back. Of course, love Bo Scarborough, love Calvin Ridley. But are we going to see any type of uh, distinct difference now? Kiffin, Sarkeesian, now to Brian Dayball, Phil. Well, the one thing I loved about Kiffin is he took a lot of deep shots down the field. And many times it was answered. How many times did you see Kiffin running down the sidelines with his hand raised before the play was uh, even completed, knowing that it was going to be a touchdown? But I don't think we're going to see too much of a difference. And with the talent on hand, we're probably going to see better quarterback uh, throwing by Jalen Hurts the best set of running backs in the country. I mean, Bo Scarborough and Damian Harris would both start for almost any other team in the country. And then they add in a guy like Najee Harris, who's the number one running back out of high school this year. With that backfield, that offensive line, the dangerous receivers like Calvin Ridley, Robert Foster, uh, Judy at the the receiver spot, uh, solid tight ends. This is a loaded offense. Uh, I don't think the offense coordinator is going to matter too much, but I do like Brian Dable. you got to like who he's studied under, and uh, I think they'll be just fine offensively. And, and again, just to uh, amplify, as Phil pointed out in the beginning when we discussed Alabama, uh, Phil's SEC unit rankings, one across the board. Now, special teams, as Phil said, seven. The only one you gave him a two in was in the receiving core, Phil. So, I mean, this is a football team that expects to uh, continue to roll with what they have been. We're talking about four national titles in Tuscaloosa, 10 consecutive top 10 finishes since Saban has been there. 
Is Jalen Hurts a top five QB in your mind in the nation? Can he project to that here in this 2017 season? I think there are too many good quarterbacks this year for him to get to that level this season. Uh, So I'm looking for Jalen Hurts to be a very good quarterback. I would put him top 20 for sure. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'd put him in the top five right now heading into the season, but uh, oh, you missed number seven special teams there, Michael. You know, they're only number seven on special teams in the conference. Outside but, of that, you got ones yeah, across number the board one, and two for the receivers. Yes, and they, yeah. they are absolutely loaded. And then, once again, you throw the experience factor in. This is the most experienced team Saban's had for a while. So, yeah, everything should go go good for Alabama this year, you yeah. have to think. I would think so. Our friends at South Point on that over-under that we alluded to, the uh, the sports book in Vegas, Ten and a half for the over/under on the win total uh, for Alabama in the twelve-game regular season. I'm going over, Phil Steele. What about you? <laughs> uh, I have I have Alabama favored in every game, double digits in ten of the games. So uh, I would have to agree with you, Michael. Yeah. All right. So we, I think Phil and I are uh, a little bit uh, tongue in cheek and having some fun, but uh, uh, we expect to see Alabama uh, playing football uh, late in December and early January of 2018. So that's the story with uh, Nick Saban and his Alabama Crimson Tide. Again, we're uh, doing our previews alphabetically. This is not uh, Phil's projected order of finish necessarily. We go from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, into the state of Arkansas. And, Phil, those Arkansas Razorbacks in the SEC West. Now, look, I, uh, Brett Bielma, I, <laughs> we'll get to whether he's on the hot seat coming up, but he's 25 and 26 in his four years in the SEC. Remember, Phil, he lost the first 13 SEC games that uh, he was a head coach with uh, of, of Arkansas, 10 and 9 cents. Um, quarterback Austin Allen you know, had a little bit that uh, touchdown interception ratio last year as a starter. Uh, Phil, I look at the schedule, though, at Bama, at LSU, and at Ole Miss. Will Brett Bielma be on the hot seat as the 2017 season unfolds? Well, as you know, Michael, I'm doing a lot more with ESPN this year. And uh, yes, sir. I just recently did an ESPN.com article. And that article is up and available on ESPN.com right now. And it is my coaches on the hot seat list. And ah, yes, yes, very coach, nice. Coach Bielema made the coaches on the hot seat list. Now, <laughs> he's he's a good friend of the program. I talk, I've been talking to Coach Bielema since his days at Wisconsin. And I think he'll do well just because they're on the hot seat list doesn't mean I think they're going to get axed. And, you know, there was two problems I saw with Arkansas last year. The first, Brett Bielema, always a big offensive line, run the football. Well, last year, how about just 164 yards per game rush and 4.1 yards per carry, a very low number for a Brett Bielema offense. Also, when I looked at this team defensively last year, and if you pick up last year's magazine and read it, you'll see that I was expecting big things off the defense. They had nine returning starters. They had allowed 27 points per game the previous year. And granted, today's college football game, offenses, pace, you don't see teams allowing under 325 yards per game. Give you an example. Back when I started the magazine, I think the top 35 defenses 
all allowed less than 325 yards per game. Now, mm. if you allow less than 325 yards per game, you're among the elite in the country because you're facing 10 to 15 more plays per game. But still, Arkansas last year allowed 427 yards per game. Granted, there were some overtime games in there, but uh, I did not expect a drop-off in the numbers. I had expected improvement. Now, when I break down this year's team, you start with the quarterback. Austin Allen had a great start. Here was a guy who Bielema was very high on, started out the season like he thought he would, said he could be just as good as his brother was, and he was for the most part, but sort of tallied off at the end of the year. Uh, Then you look at the defense, And the defense this year does have six returning starters. I think they will be stronger this year, much like I did last year. I think last year's improvement happens this year. Overall, uh, they have my number 38 set of defensive backs, and the defensive line ranks in the top as well. Uh, I've got some key players up front. Greenlaw is back at at weak side linebacker, which I think is a plus this year. Running back-wise, they took a hit in the spring game, and this is one of the advantages we have by going to the press later. You'll find in most of the other magazines out there, they'll project Raleigh Williams as a starting running back, and he was Mm -hmm. into the spring game, but he got injured late in the spring game. Mom came out on the field, and uh, you know, was his second injury like that. He is retired. He is not playing this year. So we've got Whaley as the starter. They also have Chase Hayden, and if I'm a running back, I'm going to go play for Brett Bielema. I mean, he's going to produce you, and they bring in a David Williams as well. Uh, so they, they have got some talent at the running back spot. Uh, the, the offensive line looks good. The offensive line, as I mentioned, did wasn't your typical Bielema offensive line last year, but they got Frank Ragnow up front. He's an All-American caliber center. They've got a guy I love, uh, Rojo, at the uh, left guard spot. He's a guy... Uh, I believe from Denmark, and he really has got this. He just jumps off. You look at this guy, he's got the size, the strength, the mobility, everything you want, and it's another year of football under his belt. I think he becomes an All-American type of guard. And they got Brian Wallace at the right tackle spot. So it's going to be your typical Bielema offensive line, that rush attack, which has been 4.1 last year, will improve. The schedule's difficult now. The TCU is not a good uh, – you know, TCU's a loaded team this year. Sure. They get yeah. them at home. They play A&M, South Carolina, Alabama, Ole Miss, LSU, all the way from home. They're probably going to be an underdog in six games this year. But somehow, someway, I think Bielema gets it done. And one more point I'll put about last year. Remember at the end of the year, they had the big lead at half against Missouri and then blew it and lost. And then if you're watching a bowl game, and I'm a little upset at Coach Bielema for this, I had Arkansas among one of my top bowl confidence picks. I know you picks, did, yeah. And they yeah. were blowing out Virginia Tech at the half. I mean, just what a happened? total blowout. And they end up losing that football game in the second half. Now, had they held on to those leads, they would have been 9-3 last year. They'd be a top 25 team coming into the year. So they are an under-the-radar team. I think Bielema has them doing better than expected this year. Vegas, the South Point, has their uh, total uh, over-under at 6.5. And, And, uh, you know, that's just about where you think it would be. But I've seen upsets from Arkansas each of the past few years. And I would expect an upset or two. So I would probably lean towards the over on that 6.5 with this Arkansas team. Yeah, well, we've seen them both ways. And you mentioned TCU, got them at home this year in that home-and-home, home, Phil. They did uh, they did go into uh, the state of Texas and beat uh, TCU right last year, 41-38, I think it was. And then I look back two years ago, and if you remember uh, at the time, uh, our, our buddy Matt Campbell, then the head coach of the uh, Toledo Rockets, went into uh, Fayetteville and uh, laid a non-conference game home loss on Arkansas. Little so, Rock, though. That was Little, Little Rock. Rock. They don't yeah, play right. as well in Little Rock. That game was in Little Rock. 
Okay, so it wasn't on campus at Fayetteville. Uh, no. Point is, though, that, you know, your point about you just don't know, there there always seems to be uh, a non-conference surprise, and sometimes it goes in the wrong direction in the month of September for Brett Bielma. So we'll see. Seven and six last year, and as Phil said, the very unexpected and very costly to many. Me too, included right with Phil, that loss, losing a double-digit a Belk Bowl lead to Virginia Tech to wind up at seven and six. And what do we say, Phil? Uh, the over under from South Point for uh, we say, say six and a half. Six and a half. Yeah, six and a half. And well, uh, where are you I, going? You going over with that or what? You know, looking at the schedule, you'd have them favored in six games. You'd have them uh, an underdog in six games. But the fact that Bielema pulls upsets, I would if I'm going to play that game, I would go with the over. I, I like I like what Bielema does. And I think the defense plays up to the level I thought they would last year. And I think with that offensive line, they get back to running the football to beat them away. Yeah, at South Carolina, at Alabama, at LSU, at Ole Miss on the road. I'm going to go over as well, but I'm thinking probably not much more than uh, than seven and five regular season when all is said and done. So we'll see if Brett Bielma stays stays on uh, Phil Steele's hot seat. As Phil mentioned, he put out uh, his preseason coaches that might have to be looking over their shoulder as this 2017 season unfolds. Great to have you with all of us. This is our uh, SEC West preview here on Strong as Steel. Uh, Tomorrow on Tuesday, July 11th, we'll go to uh, the SEC East. Again, uh, we know this conference uh, surely garners a lot of attention, and that's an understatement around the college uh, football world. Phil, let's uh, right here, though, uh, before we uh, get into Gus Malzahn and his Auburn Tigers, you know, we talk about all the information and the entertainment value and the assessment that we get uh, here, uh, not only on Strongest Steel, but with the Phil Steele uh, College Football Preview. PhilSteele.com. And inside the press box, we want to let everybody uh, know about uh, how you can enhance your college football watching uh, position by position uh, edges that Phil gives you throughout the course of the football season each and every week. Team ratings, level of competition is thrown uh, into the equation. Phil, give us more info on uh, how everybody can be right up to speed each and every week by being an inside the press box member. Yeah, and, you know, Inside the Press Box is a weekly newsletter that I produce for both college and pro. gives you every stat, statistic, every analytic you could possibly want for the upcoming week, all at your fingertips. And then my personal forecast on the game. I don't always agree with my computer, and I'll point mm-hmm. that out many times. I'll say, you know, me and the computer are disagreeing here, and it's fun watching it during the course of the year. See many times I win, see many times the computer wins, but it's uh, you get a lot of information. And I watch, I've got a setup here, Michael, and you're very familiar with that. I have 12 TVs in front of me. I'm watching 12 games all day long on Saturday, and when I'm not watching those 12 games on Saturday and it's during the week, I'm watching replays of those games. And this summer, going through every replay. So I, that's all I do is football, watch football, and uh, it gives us a big advantage. So when you get inside the press box, it's just $189 for the college, $189 for the pro, or you get them both for just 289 That's every game broken down. I give you the same amount of analysis 
on Coastal Carolina against Texas State that I would on the Alabama-Florida State game at the start of the year. You get all the breakdowns, all the information that you could want, and really it's uh, it's even better than having the magazine in front of you during the course of the season, and it takes you through the NFL as well, well which is done well. So you can go to the website, which is insidethepressbox.com, and get a complete preview of what the newsletter looks like. And when you enter the promo code FOOTBALL, you take 20 bucks off that. So 20 bucks off college, 20 off the pro, or $20 off overall. All you have to do is go to InsideThePressBox.com for more details on that. Yeah, we will get into that because it's it's got to have. Right? If you want to be uh, right up to speed with every bit of information you need, make sure you get involved. And, and, and just for more information, just go to PhilSteel.com, and that's going to give you uh, the how-to on virtually everything we're speaking of here today. As we go through our first preview of this uh, upcoming College football season. We're doing the SEC West today. Uh, Michael Regai, Phil Steele, our producer, Jim Nabosna. We've gone uh, through the Alabama Crimson Tide and the uh, Razorbacks of Arkansas. We're taking the squads alphabetically. All right, let's keep rolling here in the SEC West on our very first preview out of the shoot for this 2017 campaign. We've covered Alabama and Arkansas. We roll on in alphabetical order and uh, make our stop right back in the state of Alabama. You know, Phil, since uh, Gus Malzahn, uh, went 12 and two in his first year at 2013. He got to the BCS title game, of course, that very entertaining loss to Florida State. The loss totals in the three years since have been five, six, and six. So, you know, not in that same neighborhood from year one. Now, we were very impressed with their defense, right, a year ago. I mean, only allowing 17 points a game. But, I mean, uh, can Melzahn duplicate that on that side of the football and get those that, that win total into the double-digit area or thereabouts this year? Well, he had better because, once again, when you go to ESPN.com and check out my article, Coaches on the Hot Seat, Auburn's Gus Malzahn makes that list, and he needs to not just get to a bowl game this year. He needs to have a big winning year. He's right in the same state as Nick Saban. He's going to be compared to Nick Saban. Auburn's going to be compared to Alabama, their rival. They have to do well, and let's face it, uh, you know, seven or eight wins just is not going to cut it. Expectations are extremely high for Auburn this year. They're thinking SEC West title. They're thinking let's get into the playoffs this year. They've got the talent to possibly do that. I think another seven or eight season, and we would see a coaching change because expectations are so high with Auburn. Now, when I look at Auburn this year, you have to be excited. Now, I'm going to go back a couple years ago, though, Michael. Uh, There's a quarterback, Jeremy Johnson. Got a lot of preseason hype. He was SEC first-team quarterback, Heisman contender, Jeremy Johnson, Jeremy Johnson, and things just fizzled. And Auburn fizzled that year, going 7-6, and six, barely making a bowl game, and averaging just 27.5 points per game. Well, now there's a lot of hype about Jared Stidham, the Baylor transfer. I think Stidham lives up to the hype. I liked what I saw when he was at Baylor uh, last year as a freshman quarterback, or in, in 15 as a freshman quarterback. I think he will come in and do a good job. He's got Petway and Johnson to hand off to in the backfield. It's one of the better running back units in the country. The offensive line looks good. They've got Braden Smith up front at right tackle, Austin Golson at center, so they've got good pieces on the offensive line. Defense, what has me excited. You talk about 17.1 points per game. Uh, Auburn comes in with my number 10 rated defensive line, number 14 set of linebackers, number 11 DBs. They do have one of the better units in the country. In fact, I rate them the number 12 defense 
the number 11 offense. They're number nine in my power poll in the front of the magazine, and they're a complete team. Special teams, how about number seven in the country on special teams? So this is a very good Auburn team, one that deserves to be uh, mentioned among the elite of the SEC West, and one of the reasons Coach Malzahn is going to be on the hot seat because they better perform up to those levels. Now let's take a little closer look at their schedule this year. I like the fact they have a bye the week before Georgia Southern to open up the season because it helps them prep for the option. They do have to play Clemson on the road. And Clemson's going to be a dangerous team this year. I know they lose their quarterback, running back, and receiver, and that's why they're not going to be in anybody's top four heading into the year. But an interesting fact about Clemson, the last two years they've had just seven returning starters combined. This year they've got seven returning starters. They've got my number one ACC offensive line, number one ACC defensive line, and in Vegas right now, Clemson's a touchdown favorite in that game. I think Auburn also ends up an underdog when they play LSU this year on the road. They've lost seven in a row in Death Valley and have to travel there this year. And then, of course, the big Iron Bowl game at the end of the year. But I think if you're looking at a team that clearly has the chance to top Alabama, it's Auburn because they get that big rivalry game at home at the end of the year, and that could be the determining factor. So expectations raised for Auburn. The the South Point total, believe it or not, eight and a half. Now, personally, if I was a lines maker in Vegas, I'd probably put that at nine because I would have Mm -hmm. an underdog in three games this year. So uh, that has me uh, probably leaning a little bit towards the over in this one and the fact that uh, I think they'll be favored in nine of their 12 games. But the big question is, Will Jared Stidham have a Jeremy Johnson type of year, or will he have the year expected, which is one of the top quarterbacks in the country? Yeah, I, uh, very intriguing, and uh, that that right there may uh, guide the course uh, either in a positive or, or negative direction. Uh, so Auburn is certainly a football team uh, that is to be watched, Phil. Obviously, I, I like that you pointed out that uh, that trip to uh, go see Dabo Swinney and his Clemson Tigers, I think you know, a lot of people think Clemson's going to be down. Obviously, we'll get that to that when we uh, get into our ACC look-see. But Auburn, one of those swing teams, intriguing teams this year. I'll tell you what else has me very, very intrigued. We know that buying tickets to sports events and concerts can be complicated, but you know there's a better, simpler way to buy with SeatGeek. That's right, SeatGeek. It's the smartest, easiest way to get tickets that you want to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just a couple of taps of your device. Now, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the very best prices, fully guaranteed. You know there's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person. Well, I've found that best way to do it is I shop for tickets. I can be anywhere. And with just a couple of taps of my device... I'm instantly locked into SeatGeek. I actually just use SeatGeek to buy tickets to go see Bruno Mars on stage live in concert. That's right. SeatGeek saves you time and money. You search multiple ticket sites to compare prices. You find amazing deals. You do it the best with SeatGeek. And to get you the most bang for your dollar, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Make SeatGeek your go-to app to find the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. But here's the best thing of all about SeatGeek. Your strongest deal, listeners, you get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. That's right, $20 off 
for your first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code STEEL today. That's promo code STEEL, S-T-E-E-L-E, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Got to be the best for you. You got to go to SeatGeek. All right, let's continue on with the uh, the SEC West. Our next stop, Phil just mentioned uh, Death Valley, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Phil, I've got to tell you, I and, and you and I discussed this a lot here in the show last year. I really like Ed Orgeron, really like him. I mean, they they thumped Louisville in the Citrus Bowl. Uh, he, he took over for less miles after they were two and two, and then went six and two the rest of the way. Now, now here's the thing, though, with me. Uh, Matt Canada, right, comes in as the offensive coordinator now uh, from uh, the Pitt Panthers. So he's being brought in. Love Darius Geis. People don't realize Geis, what, Philly had 50-plus more carries than Leonard Fournette a year ago. Uh, Will Matt Canada, though, as a new offensive coordinator, how much of a difference could that make with Darius Geis leading the charge for this LSU offense? Well, you know, I think LSU this year is clearly one of the most talented teams in the SEC West. Uh, they only have 11 returning starters coming back, but that's pretty much status quo for them. They never have a lot guys coming back. And, and really the big question mark every year has been quarterback. They've got below-average quarterback play. Danny Etling now has experience. I think Danny Etling can give them uh, a good to above-average quarterback play. I don't think he's one of the elite quarterbacks in the country by any stretch. But I like what I saw of him last year. Uh, you know, with the completion percentage, I think he'll be an improved QB this year. You touched on Darius Geis. Actually led the team in rushing last year by about 500 yards. Uh, how about 7.6 yards per carry? Mm, can't beat phenomenal. that. No. Yeah, and, and then you look at the receivers. A guy like DJ Chark, uh, Chark is a guy that uh, is one of the top receivers in the SEC. The offensive line looks good, led by center Will Clapp. Uh, K.J. Malone out there at left tackle, and Tony Weathersby a right tackle. So good talent throughout. Defensively, you know, they get back a guy like Christian Lacature who missed last year with injury. He joins Greg Gilmore up front, giving them their usual status quo on the defensive line. Arden Key is going to be one of the best linebackers in the entire country. Now, he did uh, miss spring. He took took the spring off, but he is back on the team and ready to go, and I think he'll have a big year. And then you know, there's always that debate. Which one is DBU? Is it Florida? Is it LSU? Well, I think Dante Jackson and Kevin Tolliver, a cornerback, are one of the premier cornerback combos in the country. Now, one thing I don't like about about LSU this year is something they did last year, believe it or not, and that is last year they were going to play Florida, and then the hurricane delayed the game. They wrangled that game to home in Death Valley last year. And it, as it turns out, they outplayed Florida a good portion of the game, but they came up short on the scoreboard. And really, when you look at what, what it meant, they really had no chance of winning the SEC West. Getting that game at home did not mean anything as far as the standings went, or went as far as the season went, because they still finished just 8-4 and four in the year and number 13 uh, overall. But what it did this year is it cost them a game. They have to travel and face Florida on the road. And I have not seen an SEC team that had five true SEC road games before. LSU mm-hmm. appears to be the first one. They have to play Mississippi State, Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, and Ole Miss all on mm. the road this year. That's a pretty tough slate for anybody to handle five SEC road games. BYU is not going to be an easy game out of the box. That is a loaded BYU team this year. 
So that you know the schedule probably has it uh, pretty tough. I rate it the toughest schedule in the country this year with five SEC road games, BYU, and then that doesn't even include some pretty tough home games like Auburn, uh, drawing Troy out of the uh, Sun Belt. Troy's not your typical uh, Sun Belt team. They're really a loaded team this year as well. So it's a brutal schedule for LSU, and it'll be interesting to see how they fare. Now, factoring in the talent, factoring in the schedule, the South Point over there in Vegas has got the total at nine for LSU. What's your thought process on that, Michael? Well, because of what you just laid out, and I, I think beautifully, I'll, I'll, I'll back you up on that, Phil. This this road gauntlet that they're looking at, and I said I love Ed Orgeron. Uh, you know, Matt Canada is a little bit of a wild card here because, Phil, every time we do a show here on Strong as Steel, I've heard you on the various other national shows you do, the calls from Baton Rouge are always about, what are we going to do about this offense? It's got to get up to speed. It's got to get better. I don't know. Uh, is Matt Canada going to be the quarterback whisperer for Danny Etling? And, or maybe is Darius Geis going to carry the football 35 times a game? I, I got to say, I got to say under Phil, as much as I love him, I think that nine is a little bit too, too, uh, too high, too steep. You know, and Canada's offense last year at Pitt averaged 40.9 points per game. And keep in mind, they also have defense coordinator Dave Aranda, who I have great respect for. I'll go back to a couple years ago when he was at Wisconsin. I think he had two returning starters that year at Wisconsin, yet had a top-10 defense at the end of the year, which really surprised me because I thought Wisconsin was going to drop off. So I think Aranda's defensive schemes – are outstanding. You know, when I look at the individual schedule, Michael, I, I have an underdog at Florida. I have an underdog at Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have, I have a game, toss-up games at Ole Miss, at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So I'm basically right around that nine level. Uh, you know, my my thing would be if you if you like the Tigers, go with it. But if not, uh, it, uh, to me, nine's a perfect number for this team. Okay. All right. It's set at nine, and we'll see. Uh, I uh, Phil's got it right about there. Send me a nine and three finish. I, I'm thinking more eight and four because of uh, those road games and that gauntlet we discussed. So we'll see how that plays out. So that is the story out of uh, Baton Rouge, the way we see Ed Orgeron and uh, his uh, LSU. Tigers for this year. Phil, let's uh, head into the uh, state of Mississippi now and take a look at uh, the Rebels of Old Miss. Now, the first thing that stands out uh, that uh, we continually point out in the uh, in uh, our, our Phil Steele preview magazine, self-imposed bowl ban after they went five and seven last year. So, I, I, Phil, I think the natural. I, we have a lot of respect for Hugh Freeze, solid football coach, done good things down uh, in the state of Mississippi. But how does he keep his squad engaged and motivated throughout a year where they know that other than SEC play, there's no payoff, there's no reward from the bull side? Yeah, and that's really going to be the big test this year. And they talked about it during the spring. And Freeze, of course, naturally said all the players that bought in, they're going to treat each week like a bowl season. But you really wonder about the motivation. But, heck, Michael, if you're a college football player and they give you 12 games to play, aren't you going to give 100% in all 12 games? I mean, your career is three to four years, tops. I mean, you may only play one or two years as a starter. I'd give my effort every single game, just like I would whether there's a bowl game on the line or not. And sometimes when you're a team in the situation of Ole Miss this year, you need to have a good start to the season. 
Well, they open up with South Alabama, UT Martin, and a beatable California team on the road. Mm-hmm. So they could start feeling their oats, be 3-0 and out of the gate. Yeah, they'll get beat up a little bit the next two weeks at Alabama and at Auburn. But uh, I think as long as they can, as Hugh Freeze does a solid job coaching this team, they have that chance. Now, let's take a look at their team itself. Shea Patterson uh, is a guy that last year wasn't supposed to play. Uh, at the end of the year, they lose their starting quarterback, Chad Kelly. The question was, what do we do now? We've only got three games left in the season. Do we take the red shirt off of Patterson or not? Take the red shirt off. Play Texas A&M. Shea Patterson leads a last-second touchdown drive. They knock off Texas A&M, which came into the, that game uh, ranked number 10 in the country. Big win there. Then they played Vanderbilt and uh, Mississippi State down the stretch. Patterson wasn't as good in those two games, but a, red, a true freshman who's not expected to play being thrown onto the field like that, I can understand that. I think Shea Patterson should be one of the better QBs out there. He likes to run around, throw the football a little bit. He, last year he was accurate despite being a true frost. He had uh, a decent ratio at 6-3. I think he'll be a good QB this year. I like the running backs. They don't have any superstars at the running back spot, but they do have talent there with Jordan Wilkins and Eugene Brazley. You look at the receivers, Van Jefferson looks to be the top guy. They've got a, a good receiving core, and the offensive line is where they're going to really make some noise. And my number 10 rated offensive line in the country, Greg Little, a left tackle, Javon Patterson, a left guard, Rod Taylor, a right tackle. They've got all five starters basically back up front. They're solid there. Defensively, I think they get pressure on the quarterback with Marquise Haynes. Haynes is a guy that had seven sacks last year. He had 10 sacks the year before, seven and a half sacks the year before that. They got Breland Speaks in the middle at defensive tackle. Uh, He's got good size, and he can also penetrate from the inside. So I think they've got a quality defensive line. If you're strong at the line of scrimmage, like Ole Miss is, I think you can win some games. The secondary looks good, and they're good on special teams as well. Gary Wunderlich last year as a kicker, hit an amazing 22 out of 23 field goals. Long of 49, you can't beat that. Their punter, Will Gleason, about 38.3 net. So this team overall has talent. A disappointing year to last year, losing to your rival 55-20 at home and missing out on a bowl. No bowl ban. But this is a team that uh, actually has a shot at getting to that six or even seven win level this year. I think they're going to be an under-the-radar team this year, Michael. And speaking of under-the-radar, South Point has them at 5.5 for their wins. Mm, Yeah, yeah. Sounds a little low, doesn't it? You, you know, it you does. might like what, what when you just five and a half. So I mean, if they have a five hundred campaign, go six and six. You uh, you're going to win that overplay there if that's the direction you decide to go. Phil, the one thing though that you know because I'm a big uh, and uh, you know this, but I mean I really pay a lot of attention because I know the kind of attention to detail Phil puts into. Uh, as he's he's making his power polls for each and every uh, squad in every conference, his unit rankings. And Phil, when I look at your unit rankings, though, and I, I know that there's some some questions that have to be answered, but when I look at Old Miss, I see uh, you have three double digits, meaning they're down at the bottom of the SEC. And two of them are on the defensive side of the ball. And I know you just went through a couple. I'm with you. You put in the tape, and uh, you very much uh, like uh, Breland Speaks. Uh, very good. Uh, can get after the quarterback. But, you know, that scares me a little bit, Phil, because like I said, I, I know how much effort you put into that. And when I see double digits on a team that's expected to be, uh, you know, a squad that can make some noise, that gets me to think it a little bit. 
Yeah, and that's that's part of the reason that uh, Vegas uh, out there has them at five and a half wins for the season. So, and I believe when you look at the the SEC media poll, uh, Michael, mm-hmm. they're yeah. probably either going to be picked sixth or even seventh yes. in the West because I think everybody's going to jump on that fact that they can't go to a bowl and think that this is a team that's going to go through the motions this year, which I, by the way, do not think they will. Yeah, we got again. We got to keep an eye on that again. The self-imposed bowl ban, uh, strong as steel. Our uh, very first uh, preview show out of the shoot for you uh, here on, and we're only seven weeks away, folks. Seven weeks away from uh, the very first time the footballs get put on the tee, and we start. Uh, the 2017 college football season can't wait. If you don't have your 2017 Phil Steele's college football preview, make sure that uh, you get it. And I know a lot of you are sitting there with it open uh, right now as you listen to Strong as Steel. Phil, let's head into Starkville as we continue on uh, alphabetically in the SEC West and um, defensive struggles for the uh, the Bulldogs of Mississippi State last year. They gave up. 32 points a game, uh, as we know. And uh, when we look at Dan Mullen and his football team, uh, I'll let you let everybody know if he's on your ESPN.com coaches on the hot seat list. But uh, Todd Grantham has been brought in as the uh, defensive coordinator this year. He's got a tremendous track record at Louisville and uh, Georgia. they got to improve, Phil, though, on that side of the ball. Can they? You know, and I think Dan Mullen summed it up best. Uh, I heard him say this spring that uh, in years past, if you played Mississippi State's defense the week after that game, you were sore. And he didn't really see that last year. Their defense didn't have the bite that they normally had. Their worst numbers they've had of the Mullen era. How about 459 yards per game? 31.8 points per game. 4.8 4.8 yards per carry for crying out loud. Mm, and then if you try to yeah. throw the ball, you complete 62% of your passes. It was a defense that did not live up to potential. Now, Mullen played a big-time card this year. It's something you don't see a lot of SEC teams do a lot, which is he went the JUCO route on the defensive line. Now, I talked to all the coaches all year round, and in a familiar theme among JUCOs pretty much across the country, unless you're Bill Snyder, you usually get the most out of a JUCO in the second year. Coach Snyder's one of the craftiest guys out there, and he recruits the guys that fit his system best. He usually gets first-year JUCOs producing well. Uh, Dan Mullen's going to have to take his inner Bill Snyder and put it on this defensive <laughs> line because sure. he's got a lot of JUCOs coming in, and he needs them to play well now. He cannot afford a year where they get up to speed with major college football and then next year hit their peak. So that, to me, is going to be the key to Mississippi State's defense. A JUCO infusion up front on that defensive front seven, how quickly do they adapt? They do have Leo Lewis, a linebacker, who I like. The secondary has got some potential. Uh but the JUCO infusion's key. Offensively, you know, now Nick Fitzgerald's a guy that should be one of the more improved quarterbacks in the country, and here's why. Back when he was in high school, he ran the option offense. I think they threw the ball. The numbers were 70. Uh, I think Fitzgerald thinks he threw the ball like 20 times his senior year. They just did not throw the ball. <laughs> now, he came in here last year and was a great runner. He ran for 1,375 yards, but he actually threw the ball better than I expected. He had 54% with a 21-10 ratio. And really, there shouldn't be a more improved passing quarterback in the country because now he's taken on SEC defenses. Uh, he's now uh, thrown the football a bunch. I mean, he threw the ball 361 times last year, and that's going to make him a much improved quarterback this year when he, when he looks across 
and uh, dissects the defense with his eyes. Donald Gray is back at receiver. That's a plus. The offensive line looks good. Uh, Rankin at left tackle looks to be a stud out there at that spot. Uh, when I look at their schedule this year, there are some tough spots. I think the Louisiana Tech game on the road could be one of those tricky ones. They host LSU. They host Alabama. Now, what that means, when you're hosting LSU in Alabama, if you don't win those games, and expectations won't be there for that, then that means the winnable games are on the road this year. So they could very well be an underdog in as many as six of their SEC games during the season because they definitely will be an underdog at home against LSU and Alabama. BYU is going to be a tough out for them, but at least they get a bye the week before that game, and uh, they catch that game at home whereas last year they had to travel to the altitude, and that was a narrow loss in two overtimes that they had last year. So when you look at Vegas, they put the over-under win total the same for both Mississippi schools. Mississippi State is at 5.5 this year. Yeah, 5.5. That, you know, always in an area where it's supposed to make you think a lot if uh, that's, uh, that number is one that's doable. Um, yeah, Phil, I, I, I don't know, to get to the six-win plateau for them this year and have a 500 football season i i they're going to have to win a couple of road games to do that and i'm not sure that dan mullen and his squad are capable of that yet so i'm gonna go under that how about you you know what's interesting is you look at their record last year six and seven and you assume they hit six wins because they were in a bowl game they were actually only five and seven in the regular season last year correct the academics got them to the bowl, and they needed a missed field goal by Miami, Miami of Ohio in the bowl game at the end to squeak out that uh, victory uh, over Miami. So I'd, if, if I was to go either way on that uh, the five-and-a-half, I'm, I'm with you, Michael. I would probably say maybe they can match last year's five-win total, but not really sure. Getting Alabama at home, getting LSU at home, unless the Cowbells do their magic and yeah. they pull those upsets at home, <laughs> uh, that means a lot of those winnable games are on the road. Yeah, well, it's going to have a lot of intrigue around Starkville, Mississippi, and uh, we'll see where Dan Mullen and his uh, his dogs are able to to take this 2017 football season. That St. Petersburg Bowl that Phil alluded to, by the way, 17 to 16 win, yes, on the uh, missed Miami uh, Ohio Red Hawks field goal attempt as a. 14-point favorite, were they not, Phil? They were a two-touchdown favorite uh, against the Red Hawks of Miami, Ohio. My top bowl confidence pick coming into the year, and I was sweating <laughs> that one out the entire game, Michael. I was like, please, I please miss this. <laughs> it's tough when you got that many confidence points on a team. <laughs> I know. I didn't want I mentioned that one to you, but the honest man that Phil is, uh, he did indeed. So that's a story for the, how uh, Phil sees it, how we see it out of the uh, Mississippi State camp. We'll see where it goes, as we said, in Starkville this year. And the, the seventh and final squad, we're doing them alphabetically now, out of the SEC West, of course, takes us straight to another coach that I – I'd say the vast majority of college football fans might have on that hot seat. We'll still have, see if Phil Steele does. Three straight eight and five campaigns for Kevin Sumlin. Uh, does he have to turn that into a double-digit win season? Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I look last year, Phil, and uh, Trevor Knight, his, uh, his QB, decent year, I guess, but I mean, wouldn't you say he's going to get a, need a lot more from uh, Trevor Knight if he's going to get up near double-digit wins in his in the 17 campaign? Well, Trevor Knight was a one-year transfer. Uh, came in last year, and um, 
you know, had a decent year. Wasn't the type of thrower that you would think at 53%, 19-7 ratio, and uh, he, of course, has moved on. And there's a battle for that starting job. Is it going to be Nick Starkle? Is it going to be Kellen Mond? Uh, Jake Kubinek, you know, here's a guy who wasn't highly recruited, doesn't get a lot of respect, but just goes on the field and plays when he's called to and knows the offense inside and out. So that'll be interesting. Now, you know, you talked about coaches on the hot seat, Michael, and, and naturally yeah. going back to my ESPN.com article. Uh, yes, Kevin Sumlin made it, and his athletic director basically came out and said, we need to win this year. And I don't think his athletic director was saying, we need to win seven or eight games this year. He was saying, we need to win this year. So I think Kevin, Coach Sumlin is under some pressure. And keep in mind, this is an A&M team that has raised its fans' hopes at midseason each year. You go back to 2013, number seven midseason. Uh, in 2014, they get all all the way up to number six midseason. In 2015, they get up to number nine midseason. And last year, they actually made the college football playoff top four when it, the, prior to the uh, uh, Alabama game last year. So each year, expectations raised highly, and then all of a sudden they just crash. In fact, the last three years, they haven't even finished the season ranked. And that's why Kevin Sumlin's on the hot seat. Eight and five, eight and five, eight and five, don't cut it. You get my team up to the expectation level of seven, number seven in the country, number six in the country, we expect you to finish that way at the end of the year. Now, when I look at A&M, you know, quarterback is a question mark, but they did not get your typical great Aggie quarterback play last year. I think whoever wins that job will give them good QB play. I like Travion Williams, Keith Ford at running back. They've got one of the best receiving cores in the country uh, with Christian Kirk there. Uh, he is uh, one of the best wide receivers in the entire college football. The offensive line looks decent. Defensively, they lose a couple guys that aren't going to be easy to replace. Miles Garrett and Deshaun Hall. That was their pass rushing defensive ends. But I love what they have inside with Zakovin Henderson, Dalen Mack, Kingsley Kiki. These are all studs inside. They're going to probably have their best run defense that they've had in years. Don't think they'll get the same amount of pressure on the quarterback, though. In the secondary, Armani Watts returned down the NFL to return at strong safety. They do have seven starters back on defense. So I think the defense, despite losing Hall and Garrett, will be close to last year's standards. Offensively, I think they'll be close to last year's standards. Now can they deliver and become a player in the West? And when you look at the schedule this year, they're going to be an underdog when they travel to face UCLA this season. They're going to be an underdog at home against Alabama. They'll be an underdog at Florida. They'll probably be an underdog at home against Auburn. Keep in mind, Auburn's off a bye for that game. They have to play Ole Miss and LSU both on the road at the end of the year. So this is a team that could be an underdog in as many as six games. I think they need at least nine wins. They'd have to pull about three upsets this year to get to the spot where someone stays on board. And Vegas is not thinking Kevin Sumlin's going to be around. They have the over-under win total for Texas A&M at seven on the season. And I think if that final number is seven, we're looking for a new head coach next year. And there are a couple guys out there that uh, could be intriguing. Yeah, I have to agree on that with you, Phil. And again, uh, you're projecting that uh, it's going to be uh, Nick Starkle, the redshirt freshman, that uh, gets that starting nod in uh, out in L.A. on September 3rd against UCLA? Yeah, it could be him. Uh, Kellen Mond did battle him. Uh, Mond is a guy that's a true freshman. He was in for the mm-hmm. spring. I liked what I saw. But, yeah, I'm projecting Starkle at this point, and uh, we'll see if he's able to hold on to the job in August. 
Yeah, yeah, we'll see. So, <laughs> Phil, we go just through the SEC West, I think, through the the seven squads in uh, that division of the SEC. What did we come up with? We had three of your coaches on the hot seat in your ESPN.com article. And that's uh, the Nick Saban factor compared to Nick yeah. Saban. And uh, and if, you, if you're in the same division as Nick Saban, the folks, it, you know, to try to get ahead of him, that has got to be pretty tough. So, yes, Coach Malzahn made it. Actually, Coach Freeze of Ole Miss made it as well with the, uh, with yep. the problems they're having. So they're actually yep. four of the 12 just happen to reside in the same division as Nick Saban. Uh, not a coincidence, I'll say. No, not a coincidence at all when we're talking about four national championships since he's been. Nick Saban, that is, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. So there it is. Those, the seven squads, how we see them heading into this 2017 season from the SEC West. Remember now, that was an alphabetical order, not our predicted order of finish. Now, tomorrow on Tuesday, we'll do very same thing. We'll get you locked in with all the information that you need, all the analysis and Everything to get you ready with the SEC East. That's coming up tomorrow on Tuesday, so make sure you check in to our Strongest Steel podcast on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Now for Phil Steele and our producer, Jim Nabosna, I'm Michael Regge. I hope you enjoyed, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow right here uh, with our SEC East preview on Strongest Steel. To that, so long.